Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road campus. Today we're beginning a new series about Jesus is the Word. But before we get to that, I heard something this past week that uh, kind of blew my mind. Um, It's something I think about uh, from time to time. The uh, galaxies, the stars, the creation. And this particular... uh, a video is talking about uh, different aspects of, of, of the universe. And they mentioned that if our solar system, so that's all of the planets that are orbiting our sun, um, were the, if, if our solar system were the size of a dime, the sun would be in the middle of it. And uh, I don't know if you know, but we actually have uh, two man-made vehicles that were launched back in the 70s, Voyager 1 and Voyager 2, that just recently crossed the barrier of what scientists consider our solar system and, inter, and interstellar space, okay? And so it took Voyager 1 going 38,000 miles an hour for over 40 years just to get to the edge of the dime. All right? And so if our solar system is the size of this dime, our galaxy, the Milky Way, which scientists describe as just an average, nothing spectacular galaxy amongst billions of galaxies, not significantly large or small, just a regular normal-sized galaxy, if our solar system is the size of a dime, the Milky Way is the size of North America. North America. That's inconceivable. It's incomprehensible. And the Milky Way is just one of what now they believe are countless. They have no idea how many other galaxies, some vastly larger than ours, exist throughout space. That's incomprehensible. I think God actually designed the universe to blow our minds. All right? Really? Like, how can, how can we, how can this be? How can a God, how, you know... How can God care for something like me if I'm so small? Listen, you are a tiny speck on a tiny speck and a tiny little swirly speck in the middle of vastness of space. But to God, you know, we think it was hard for God to create all of creation. He just spoke it into existence. But he died for you. All right? So it's inconceivable what... Uh, there's something even even more incomprehensible. And and this idea that Jesus is God's word. Remember, it was through God's word that all of the universe was created. And Jesus comes and manifests the word. And my hope for today in this, this series through December is a challenge and hopefully in a positive way change our relationship with God's word and the word of God. 
Each and every one of us needs to be challenged in this way, whether you're a non-Christian and you haven't even accepted that, that the Bible is God's word or that Jesus is God, the Son, or if you're a new believer or a seasoned believer, I'm a Christian of over 40 years and I'm still learning more about God and his word every day. John writes about Jesus and God's word at the beginning of his gospel. It was intentional. Uh, the gospel of John was the, uh, uh, believed to be the last of the four gospels. He wrote it primarily to a Gentile audience. And so he's writing as an older man. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written many, many years earlier. And so John's take on it is, is, is a different perspective. And, and, we, and we gain a, a kind of a bigger picture view of Jesus and the gospel. And he begins intentionally with, in the beginning, just as Genesis be, uh, starts with the same phrase, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, all those universes, all, uh, all those uh, galaxies, I actually think there may be all those universes, but that's another discussion. <laughs> uh, uh, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend it. It was uncomprehensible. Jesus is the Word, and the Word was eternal, and the New Living Translation actually translates it, in the beginning, the Word already existed. Right? So Jesus exists infinitely, eternally, without beginning, without end, just as we said in the Creed. He existed with God, but he was God. The Word is God, inseparable, of one substance with the Father, as the Creed says. It was through the Word, Jesus, all things were created. And so that power that created the vastness of the universe, that the, the best minds that have ever lived and the best science that has ever existed that we live in today, we have uh, instruments that can measure and, and calculate uh, things, you know, light years away. But they still don't understand even a fraction of it. They're still trying to figure out how gravity works. Really? They have no idea. It's amazing. God created that. The Word created that. It says the Word was life and light, shining in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. In other words, we didn't comprehend it. Humanity couldn't understand the light, the life, the creation, God. <clears throat> Continues on a few verses later. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, John of the Baptist he's referring to, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. John the Baptist knew that Jesus, God the Son, 
was uh, uh, existed before him. He was a, the eternal one. Had come in in the flesh to communicate the word, the message of God to us. It says, and of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So starts out talking about this idea, this the word that existed eternally, that is God, that created all things, that then is also the light and the life of man that was uh, incomprehensible, but then became flesh, and that flesh manifestation of this eternal word is the person, the man, Jesus Christ. He became flesh. He lived with us. And so this connection between the word of God and the person, Jesus Christ, is firmly established, not only in John, but throughout all of the scripture. And, and, and I believe as Christians, we need to embrace this and I believe, frankly, this church, <laughs> me, us, this generation, we need to be really solid on this idea. That God's word and Jesus and truth are inseparable. And that uh, scripture is the embodiment of God's word that we have today. I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus was the embodiment of God's word, spoken that created all things. The word is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the word. Okay, it says we beheld. Jesus is the comprehensible manifestation of the incomprehensible God. Yeah. How can we understand something so incomprehensible that with the word, all of creation popped into existence? God said, well, the only solution to that is to come down and walk amongst us. He got down on our level so that we could be brought close to him in the person of Jesus Christ. God revealed light and truth. Through Jesus the word, we comprehend what we formerly were unable to even see and to come into relationship with God. All right? We needed that connection point. All right? Jesus is the word. The word is Jesus. Jesus uh, is talking about this same idea to some Jews that he was uh, teaching we don't know the whole context of this, but you know he was going throughout the Judea, preaching different places, having conversations. And this verse is really, really, really interesting because it starts out in John 8, 31. It says, Jesus was uh, uh, speaking to those Jews, what's it say? Who believed him. Well, you think, well, these guys are good. They're believers. Right? And he challenged them. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So he was talking to Jews that actually believed Jesus, at least to some degree. Belief was the beginning, not the end. And Jesus challenged them, great, you believe, now abide. Abide. 
all right? And there's actually a progression here. Believe, now abide in my word. And if you abide in this word, then you'll be my disciples. They weren't disciples just because they believed. There was another step. They had to abide. And then if they abide, then it demonstrates that they're really disciples. And if they're disciples, those are people being trained and instructed and, and, and led by then they'll come to know truth. And if they know truth, eventually they'll come to the place of experiencing real freedom. All right? And abide means um, basically don't move. <laughs> don't leave. Right? To continue, to endure. It can be applied to a specific place or, or a state of being or a relationship, and stay there. <clears throat> Believe, if genuine, must lead to these other steps, or else it's not genuine belief, because the very next verse is Jesus challenges their belief. <clears throat> he, they responded to him because he said, you'll be free. And they said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, if, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Uh, they said, earlier, right before that, they said, uh, we are free. We've always been free. We've never been under bondage, even though they were under bondage to the Roman Empire. When they said that, they kind of forgot that. <laughs> and they said, we're, we're Abraham's uh, as our father. He said, if, Abraham were your, uh, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, but now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the works of your father. And then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. <laughs> Oops. We have one father, God. They're trying to, you know, get zealous about their theology. <clears throat> and Jesus said to him, if, if, them, if God were your father, you would love me. <gasps> wow, that's a step up from belief. Love. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come from myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? I love this. Can you hear Jesus' frustration? Do you think Jesus got frustrated? All right? It's like, why, why, why can't you understand what I'm saying? I'm sure he did it like, why can't you understand my speech? because you are not able to listen to my words. You don't understand me because you're not listening. Man, I can't wait to watch the video of this scene. I want to see Jesus as nonverbal, you know? <laughs> he was the word incarnate, and they weren't able to hear him. And then it goes on, because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of the Father, the devil, and desire, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Wait a minute. It started out they were believers. 
But Jesus challenges that. And he, and he walks back that progression. You're not free. You're of the devil. You're, you're under the bondage to the devil. You don't even know the truth. And they didn't accept Jesus. They didn't abide in Jesus' word. They didn't even receive it. They didn't hear it. And so, really, they didn't even believe. Jesus is not content <clears throat> with surface-level belief or intellectual assent. They couldn't grasp what he was saying because they weren't able to listen. They were still in darkness. They still couldn't comprehend the fullness of what Jesus was trying to teach them. Think about this. They were setting with Jesus in the flesh, hearing his words. And they didn't get it. How many of you would just give everything you had to have an afternoon with Jesus? Right? You know what? I'm not so sure I want that. Because everybody in the Bible that had that, they didn't turn out too good. Even his disciples all ran away. One of them betrayed him. The rest of them denied him. Are you hearing me? You think you'd be one of the ones sitting there, oh, Jesus, yeah, I believe in you. Well, you might say I believe in you, but well, wait a minute, you can't tell me what to do. Jesus is saying, listen, you want belief? Abide. And if you abide, if you stay there, if you stay in what? His words. His word. The manifestation of his truth. Then you'll be his disciples. Oh, then you get into right relationship. But even then, it takes time in discipleship to know truth, to get things in alignment with reality. You know why? Because we've lived our entire life when we live in a, in, in a world and a, a society that is completely absorbed in darkness. And so it takes a while to get used to the light. Have you ever been in a completely dark room? Our, our bedroom, because Kathy's works third shift, you would be surprised. It is like a dark room, okay? Photographic dark room, because she's got to sleep during the day. There is absolutely no light. Like every little electronic instrument has tape over any little indicator lights. I'm like, Kathy, just close your eyes. She's like, no, I see it. I'm like, oh, get off. <laughs> so I put black tape over everything. But you know, if you wake up, especially in the summer, not now, but <laughs> and the sun's already up, you walk out that door, <clears throat> it's like the brilliance of the day. Oh, my goodness. And it takes time to get oriented. How much more in this case? to come from the darkness of being separated, exiled, and enemies with God into the light of relationship with him and his truth. <clears throat> Jesus isn't content with mere intellectual assent. He demands much, much more. 
In the book of Hebrews, it's described this way, and I, I love how it parallels what John says in John, in the first of John, because it also talks about the creation. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Everything that was created was created through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, by the word, Jesus is the word. God spoke. And so Jesus was active in the creation moment as the word of God bringing everything into existence. Another place in the Bible it says, by his words, all things are held together. Atoms, as well as planets, as well as solar systems and galaxies are held together by the word of his power, by Jesus' word. It says the sun, I love this sentence, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. We had, uh, when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. What an honor that we have a place in the, it's talking about the creation of everything. It's talking about God's throne, but right in the middle, it says that Jesus, when he had cleansed us of our sins, God, the creator took time to die on the cross. Why? So that you could be part of his uh, 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 family forever. If you receive him, we're, we're, we're pulled into this grandiose story of the universe. And Jesus, this verse tells us that Jesus is uh, the revelation of God as much as the Old Testament prophets. Hebrews was written specifically to Jews to explain how the new covenant and the old covenant integrate. And so he's saying here that Jesus comes now as the, as the revelation of God, just as God formally spoke through the prophets in many times in many ways. Now we have Jesus, and Jesus actually exceeds the prophets because he radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. So we have the words of the prophet. How many have a Bible with you? So <clears throat> I actually have a physical Bible. <clears throat> Let me just say for a minute. Um, I think there's value. I've been challenged in this for a while. For, you know, I became a Christian in, <laughs> in the ancient days <laughs> before anybody had a computer, let alone a smartphone. So I, 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 I still have the first Bible I bought when I was a Christian. You know, I, and uh, I, developing a relationship with a physical Bible. And recently I've heard people talking about, uh, for, for those of you that are younger, which is just about everybody here. <laughs> you know, listen, most of my Bible reading and even my study, my study is done on a computer, my reading, and, and some of my study is actually done on this little device here. And that's okay. But because we do so many other things on this device, it's kind of a challenge to keep it sacred. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, non-sacred stuff on this, isn't there? All right. 
And so uh, there is value, and especially if you struggle with uh, keeping using your smartphone or computer consistently, sacredly, there's additional value to set this down and go analog. You know, because this, this Bible isn't going to have any pop-up notifications. All right? And start beeping at you. And you got to slow down and read. I'm not saying this is bad. I use this primarily. But there's sometimes where I just got to get this out. And, and get my, my mind and my brain, my eyes on here. And uh, <clears throat> uh, beginning in 2022, which is just a few days from now, right? A few weeks from now. As a church, we're going to read the Bible through the whole Bible together. And we, we did months of research to pick out a reading plan that we thought would be really flexible enough for everyone. And you can get it in a book. Uh, we actually bought, I, got, I bought 20 of these. <clears throat> They're 30 bucks each if you want a, a paper copy. And this has the daily readings actually printed in order. Um, it's, called, it's called the Bible in a year. That's creative, huh? <laughs> um, but this is a particular version of that Bible in a year program that Nikki Gumbel, who authored the Alpha uh, a discipleship program, which is hugely popular all over the world, um, uh, also adds commentary. Now, the commentary is not in this printed version. If you want to buy a copy of the paper commentary, you have to do that separately. But it, it's available in an app that has both the commentary and the Bible verses in order. And it's really easy to use. It's the easiest one to use. It is available in version, but their app is actually easier to use. It's also available in many other formats, and we'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. So we're all ready to start reading together the Bible um, in 2022. And my hope is that everyone reads through Scripture from uh, cover to cover, because many Christians never do that. And so uh, we have the words of the prophet and the words of Jesus uh, put together in Scripture. And that verse in, in Hebrews says that uh, Jesus' word um, uh, it, 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 and, and Jesus, the whole of Scripture is a manifestation or a revelation of the person Jesus. All right? And so our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with the Bible is intrinsically intertwined. This is what I want to get to. Relationship with Jesus you also have a relationship with the, with the Bible. In the same way you have a relationship with Jesus, you must have a relationship with his word because he is the word. Otherwise, you may end up like the Jews who thought they believed, but really were in the darkness and still of the devil. And John says it this way. <clears throat> we, in 1 John, letter, 1 John 1, 1 through 4, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life 
itself was revealed to us and we have seen him and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and then he was revealed to us and now we proclaim him to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard. He repeats this. We've seen, we've heard. They experienced Jesus literally and physically so that they could communicate this Jesus to us through the written word. So that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things to you so you may fully share our joy. Okay, so again, another passage that stresses, emphasizes, focuses on Jesus being the word of God that they saw, they heard, they touched, they spent time with. And they want us to, to, to fully embrace and experience that same thing. How do we do that? Jesus physically is not going to walk through that door. All right, are you ready? Everybody look at the door. You think he's going to walk at it? Yeah, it'd be kind of cool. I mean, he could if he wanted to. He does show up. <clears throat> but how can we touch? How can we have an interactive relationship? Listen, it's through this word. Right? <clears throat> what they wrote is what we call scripture. And it's just simply the medium or the means by which what they experienced with Jesus as a person, what Jesus did in his lifetime, what he said... It's transmitted to us and to every uh, generation until Christ returns, right? Through this, the Bible. Our, uh, our relationship, our expectation, our understanding, our respect of this book must increase. If you want a greater experience of subjectively hearing God's word, that means personal experience of like hearing God's word or having a revelation or having a dream or hearing a prophetic word. We talk about all that stuff in this church. If you want to increase in that, <clears throat> actually, I remember Stephanie Jones, Scott and Stephanie were still here on staff, and Stephanie was talking about going deeper in the prophetic. And I said, well, if you want to go deeper in the prophetic, you got to go deeper in the the scripture because your level of prophetic experience or experiencing God subjectively is is 100% capped by the level of scripture that's in your life and you know what Stephanie did as a response to my little pushback <laughs> that's when she had a group of uh, uh, she got a group of people to memorize the book of Philippians and they, they memorized, of course, they chose one of the shortest books in the New Testament, but good for her. <laughs> what words do you describe your relationship with Jesus? What do you say? What do you say? What's a word that you use to describe your relationship with Jesus? Somebody? Anyone? Joyful. Another one. Peace. Peace. You have a peaceful relationship with Jesus. Peace. He's, he's, he's my truth. Love. Intimate. Committed. Right? We love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? 
You committed to Jesus? Is Jesus your joy? What words did you describe your relationship with the Bible? <laughs> I've heard you. I've said it. Come on, let's be honest. Huh? Tough. We love it. Good for you. How about, I don't understand it. How about, it's confusing. It's overwhelming. How about this? It's, it's so dry. Yeah, it's hard to slow down. It's outdated. I don't get it. Why is it so long? You know, there's so many names. <laughs> Listen, there's a reason for all those questions. But if that's how you describe your relationship with the Bible, to a degree, that's your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because this book, was written to reveal Jesus Christ. And so if you find this dry, I'm here to tell you that reveals that at least to a significant degree, your relationship with Jesus is actually really dry. But you won't say that because that doesn't sound very good. But it's true. Because Jesus is the Word of God. And the Word of God is the manifestation of Jesus. Now, just to be clear, the Bible is not Jesus. Right? The Bible didn't die on a cross. Someone can have a Bible and not know Jesus. All right? The man, he was a college professor. I took a class. I thought it was a Christian class. The guy was the most intelligent person I've ever probably talked to. He knew every language. It was spooky. And it was a Christian traditions, it was called. And I took it, I was a brand new Christian. I'm like, great, I want to learn some Christian traditions. But this guy was a complete ape. Uh, he didn't believe it, scripture was actually true. He just thought it was a myth. He didn't believe in anything supernatural. But he was brilliant. He, he knew the Bible. And, and every day, I would, every time I went to class, I was just arguing with him. And like, he would say something, and I would say, and he goes, I know what verse you're going to quote. <laughs> we were arguing. I was putting so much time in that class, I actually dropped the class. Because I was, I was not doing my other classes, and this was just an elective. Uh, <laughs> and, and another guy in that class that I, I knew... After I dropped it, he said, everybody was so disappointed when you dropped because now no one argues with them. <laughs> um, and so people can know this and not know Jesus. And flip side, you can, I mean, when you first meet Jesus, you're not going to know much of this. You really know Jesus. But Jesus says, okay, now abide in my word. Stay there. Don't go from the word, and you'll be my disciples. You want to be my disciples? Stay in the word. And that word will teach you truth, and that truth will make you free. 
So the words that we use to describe our relationship with the Bible ought to be the same words that we use to describe our relationship with Jesus. And if they're not, we're not seeing this accurately. Okay? We need to learn how to understand this as the revelation of Jesus. And you know, in every relationship, there's times where it's hard. That's okay. That's actually part of the process of proving you're willing to stick it out and abide. I wonder if Jesus goes, I wonder if they'll make it through those genealogies. What do you think, Holy Spirit? And Holy Spirit goes, I'm, I'm trying to get them to, I'm trying to. <laughs> Why are all those names listed? Because all those names are important to Jesus, just like your name is important to Jesus. Okay, and there's lots of stuff uh, you can dig out of that. Um, <clears throat> did people misunderstand Jesus? Did people misrepresent Jesus? Did people mistreat Jesus? Well, the same thing is true with Scripture, okay? People misunderstand, people mistreat, people misrepresent what Scripture says. Don't reject the Bible because of the critic's view of the Bible. So many people are, are, are leaving Christianity now because they're only listening to the critics, and they're not they're turning off the critics and going to the source. And we have the source available. In this generation, we have more availability to Scripture and scriptural understanding tools than all other generations, nowhere comparable. With my phone, I can click, 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 and see the Greek and Hebrew uh, words, see every place in, in the Bible where a particular Greek word is used. I can get commentaries written by brilliant men over the centuries of what they thought it meant. All for free! We ought to be the most sanctified generation that has ever lived. Would you say we are? Not even close. <clears throat> would, you, would you allow me to come up and say, okay, everybody, take out your... Uh, your uh, Sharpie, and cross out this verse right here. No, right? You can't do that. You can't just take part of the Bible and say, oh, this doesn't apply to me anymore. That'd be like uh, crossing out part of Jesus. Right? Because this book reveals Jesus. Now, what you need to do is say, how does this apply to me? In Jesus. Okay, and some things are hard to figure that out. Peter's going to explain it all next week. <laughs> and, and we're going to continue talking about it through the rest of December. And actually all of January, we're going to be talking about how to understand the word. And all of 2022, we want to delve deeper into this. Second Peter writes, we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellence glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Peter's talking about when he and John and the other one, was it Andrew? <clears throat> went to the top of the mountain of the mountain transfiguration and saw Jesus transfigured from just a regular human being to his full glory. He was brilliantly light. And, and the voice of the fathers when Peter said, hey, let's make three tents. Moses appeared, Elijah appeared. 
And, uh, <clears throat> and the father said, listen to Jesus. Uh, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So Peter's talking about we experienced this. Uh, he says, and we heard this voice which came from heaven uh, when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. What's he saying there? He's saying the prophetic, the pr prophetic word was confirmed by what they saw and what they heard, just like John said in his letter, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Heed what? Heed the prophetic word. He's talking about scripture, which you mentioned in the next verse here. Um, <clears throat> Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any uh, private interpretation. For, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus came as the confirmation of everything that was written in this book. He fulfilled it. And as a revelation of the perfect character of, of God. And scripture must be understood as a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. It's not cunningly devised fables, all right? It can't be uh, twisted and turned it into any private interpretation. In other words, you can't make it say what you want it to say. It doesn't work. It won't stand up. It won't last. <clears throat> it must be understood according to the inspiration and the intention of the one who inspired it, the Holy Spirit, okay? Not our private uh, uh, interpretation. Just like when we're called to have a personal relationship with Jesus, that doesn't mean that we have a private version of Jesus. No, you have to come and have a relationship with Jesus the Lord and have a personal relationship with him as revealed in Scripture. <clears throat> but uh, Jesus can close with this verse. It says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. For these are they which testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. So Jesus is actually talking about scripture and him. But he says the scripture testifies of him. And so every verse in that Bible in some way reflects something about him. If you learn how to understand it, if you abide in it, if you study it, if you're his disciples. He further says, he says, if you believe Moses, you'd believe me, for he wrote about me. Genesis, Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. All right? It's actually Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. <laughs> And, and Jesus said, all that was about me. Wow. And that implies that the whole of Scripture was about Jesus. Big point here is that your relationship with the Bible, your relationship with Jesus, intricately combined, intertwined. If you don't have a proper relationship with Scripture, you're not going to have a complete or proper relationship with Jesus. So I'm challenging you to change your relationship with this, this book, which is so much more than a book. And to dedicate yourself, especially over this next year as we together uh, read through the Bible and discover more of what it means. Okay?